here, and just so you know that, okay? Thank you. Good morning. Uh, today's sermon is going to be based from Matthew 18, verses 23 to 27. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. A great worship. Thank you, guys. Um, let's continue to worship as we read God's Word. I, I do um, just, if you would, you know, open up your Bibles, get your, get your apps out. Um, we're going to walk through, as we have been, Jesus' parables. Um, again, this is, these, are, these are parables that you all voted on, and um, which just makes it kind of fun. Um, just sang a song, and there's a line in it. Um, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. You thought about that? It's a really interesting line. In fact, um, it's basically the parable this morning that we're going to read. This beautiful, right? We always, we always have this beautiful, soft, amazing picture of grace, how does grace teach our hearts to fear? You see, those, those seem, they don't seem to go together, do they? Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18 this morning, like uh, Nikki just read. And, um, Jesus is going to give this parable, and it's wrapped in a context. Uh, Matthew is it, it, only in the gospel of Matthew, and... Um, and in this context, it's Matthew chapter 18. I would encourage you guys, man, I, this, this could have been a long sermon, so you're welcome. Um, but I, as I was like, well, let me, let me back up to give us like a running start into this. And, and then I backed up and then I'm like, okay, I need to back up a little bit more to get a little bit running start into that. And it, it, go read Matthew chapter 18. <laughs> because what Jesus does is he, he explains he's describing the kingdom of God, right? We talked about this the last couple of weeks, like the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and, and what does this mean for us? Um, and, and it's like this, we draw these truths, like it, he establishes like this is what the kingdom of God is like. And then he explains these truths and how they relate in, in our lives and frankly in our relationships. And so as he goes through in, in Matthew chapter 18, there's a, a, a parable of like the, the why God cares for the outcast and the poor. And by implication, why we should too. Because he, he says that he doesn't want anybody to be lost. And we shouldn't want anybody to be lost. And then he goes through this great section of scripture that has been completely, totally messed up. And it's about... Uh, church discipline. If you Google church discipline, this is, this is the section of scripture that will come up. And it's all about how, like, if your brother sins against you, what do you do? It's like, oh, it's a process. It's easy. It's just a checklist. <laughs> but it's not. 
Jesus is like, do this, do this, do this. And each step is so that you will win your brother or sister back from their sin. And so Jesus is saying like, he cares for the outcasts and the poor. He cares for people who are sinning and are lost and they need to be brought back in. And there's like this emotion, this relationship there. And we just sit here and go, it's a four-step process. <laughs> I, I got to do this and then I do this and then I do this and then we're, we're done. And, and we fulfilled scripture and we're good. Jesus goes, no, that's not how this works. And Peter didn't understand this either, because as Jesus is explaining these things, and he's like, this is how your relationship should be. <laughs> We're going to spend almost all of 2024 talking about how our relationships should be. And I'll, I'll explain more when we get to the uh, New Year's Eve service and gathering and stuff, and we're going to kind of lay it out. But man, like if you think about it, like the whole Bible is about how you interact with somebody else. It's not just about thinking rightly. It's not, it's not just about like, yeah, yeah, okay, there's a kingdom of heaven, and there's eternity, and, and I, I, I believe, and great, awesome. But no, it's, it's more than that. It's like, what does that then do, right? And we talk about this partnership with God and, and spreading the gospel and communicating these truths so that people will find peace and joy and contentment in their lives. And he's like, I wanted to use you to do this. And so, therefore, your relationships matter. How you treat your employer or employees, your parents, your kids, your friends, your significant others. People that don't really know and people that offend you. And that's where Peter starts in Matthew chapter 18 verse 21. After all of this, it says in verse 21, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. I think that's a two-part question. How often will my brother sin against me? Your whole life. That's the answer. And how often should I forgive him? Your whole life. That's his answer. Peter says, as many as seven times. Oh, that's holy, Peter. <laughs> seven times, right? Before you cut somebody off. That seems like a pretty decent time, right? Your friend offends you. Con they continue to take you for granted. They continue to whatever that is. Seven times. Build some boundaries, people. <laughs> After four, I'm done with them. I mean, this is, this, is, this is tough. And so Peter says as many as seven times, and Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And he's not saying like, okay, well, then I just got to count to 77. No, that's not the point, right? Forever. And then Jesus leads into this parable. So we got to understand this context of where Jesus is coming at as he gets to this parable so I'm going to read, we're just going to kind of step through this thing. And you got to bear with me here on the first part of this. I'm going to make a bunch of who are the characters in this parable. Just roll with me on it. You may be like, well, I need to read the rest of the parable before I get it. Maybe, but just, just trust me on this. Uh, verse 23, it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Okay. 
So you have a king. Who do we think the king is? Who's typically the king in these parables? That's God. Okay, good. Two points. Gold star. Who are the servants? Us. Okay, good. These aren't tricky questions. He has, they have, the, the servant has a debt to the king. Guesses? What's that? Sin. Sin. That's, that's the debt. Okay, three for three, Brian. Good job. <laughs> You've now prof advanced through. No, I'm just saying. This is why he's one of the pastors. No, I'm just saying. Um, uh, <laughs> And he's settling the accounts. He's balancing the books. What's that? No, that's that's wrong, actually. (laughs) The first time ever in church, the word Jesus is wrong. No, I'm just saying. Right? So he's, I mean, kind of. We'll get there. But he's settling accounts. He's balancing the books. He's calling to account the debts. What is this? The judgment, right? Like, at some point in time, the king is going to go, you owe me money. Okay, it's a parable, right? Okay, and yet there, there's some pieces to this that like go into a, into a realm that, that is not, right? We, we, gotta, we, we can't take the parables too far, right? We've talked about this. All right, so you guys with me? These are the characters. This, this is what's going on in this story. Verse 24, when he began to settle... One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Ten thousand talents is 20 years worth of wages. Do you owe anybody 20 years of your wages? If you do, don't raise your hand, but come up to me afterwards and we'll talk. This is this would have been, probably when those words came out of Jesus' mouth, it probably would have, like, the audience probably would have let out, a, like, a, a pretty verbal, like, scoff. Like, but that's ridiculous. That's, that must be hyperbole. Jesus must be exaggerating here. There's no way anybody could ever incur 20 years' worth of wages. You would think that at year 19, like, the, the king would stop lending him money. The parable breaks down a little bit there on that, but... It's absurd. So then we have to ask ourselves, why does Jesus pick an absurd amount of money? Is it absurd? If the metaphor, if the parable, if if the debt correlates to our sin, is it absurd? If you owed a dollar for every evil thought, word, or action... How much would you owe? If you owed God, which you don't, just so we're clear, right? He's given a parable correlating money to our sins. So it doesn't work this way in case you think that you can pay your way, right? Like that's not how this works. But but he's saying like, like this guy owed him his entire life. And he's got a family we find out in the next verse. So let's call him 30 years old maybe. Maybe he cuts his budget in half. Well, he'll pay off his debt 
at probably just about five years past the expected age, lifespan of somebody during that time. Does this sound promising? <laughs> That's the point. Jesus could have picked a reasonable amount of money and made it more relatable. Hey, he had $10,000 worth of debt. Man, that's a lot. I've got a mortgage, so maybe it's not that much. Right? But he doesn't. He picks this insane amount of money. Why? Because he wants us to understand that our sin has an infinite cost. It's rebellion against our creator. It's infinite. There's no amount of there's no amount of money that could pay. There's no amount of work that you can do to make up for a rebellious heart. It doesn't matter if you're a great person. I'm sure I'm sure y'all are just wonderful, amazing people. We could be nice and go to hell. with me on this? This is not, that's not the gospel. And this is where Jesus is setting the stage. He's like, do you understand the infinite cost of your sin? This is why we're going to get to the line in Amazing Grace that grace taught my heart to fear because fear says, man, what am I going to do with this sin? Verse 25. And since... He could not pay. That's just a statement. <laughs> That's not like, well, let me go check for change under the couch. Let me, let me try to figure out if I can pay this. No, the, the statement is he couldn't pay. Do you think the king knew this? I mean, in, in this parable, right? Like, is the king aware that he has 20 years worth of debt? Most definitely. And so then he began to settle accounts. Maybe not unlike the previous parable. Um, I think, yeah, Brian, you preached on us, right? You know, where, where he, uh, the last, he, he, he pays the last first. Was that, was that you preaching? I know I should know this. <laughs> right? He, he settles accounts or he, he pays. Anyway, you have to go back and listen to it. I think, was that last week? Wow. Okay. <laughs> It's been a long week, people. Um, <laughs> he starts with this one. Could you imagine the rest of the servants? They're like, well, I'm going to look good compared to this guy. I don't know how this is going to work out for him. This is water under the bridge. The king's not going to get the money back, right? I mean, he knows, the king knows that, he, that this guy cannot pay the debt. It's impossible. It's impossible to pay back our debt. What do you do? We've talked about this before. Like, just use, use the person sitting next to you that you probably know so well. Like, you've offended them. What do you do to fix it? Well, say you're sorry. That's dumb. That's it? You, you hurt them? You insult them? And then you're like, sorry. <laughs> oh, I took it all that way, right? Like, everything's great now. It just doesn't work that way, right? Like, I mean, I mean, I'm not, this isn't a sermon on, like, forgiveness. I mean, I guess it is. But anyway, we, anyway we'll get there. But it, you know, it's not that you shouldn't do that. It's just, it doesn't fix it. It doesn't fix it. 
The only thing that fixes it is to like pay it back. Like monetarily, you can do that, but with your sin, once somebody has a way of doing it, like that whole good deeds, bad deeds thing, t- totally not logical. It's not logical at all, right? Would you get, given this context, right? Like you hurt somebody. Okay, well then go buy them a Starbucks. Does it work? You offend your spouse. Oh, well then just, I don't know, make them coffee the next morning and everything will be good. Is that it? It doesn't work that way. No relationship works that way. If you think it works that way, it doesn't work that way. And so in the same sense, he's sitting here showing us, like, you can't pay this back. So why does the king settle the account? I mean, it's water under the bridge. This is like debt collector 101, right? Do you want some of the money or do you just want none of it? Right? I mean, the king's like, what am I going to get out of this? Certainly not anywhere close to 20 years wages. I know how much I pay this servant. <laughs> like, he's not going to be able to pay this back. But he still calls to account the debt. Why? What if he didn't? What if he's like, yeah, sorry, don't worry about it. Love you anyway. You just keep serving. Where's the justice? When, going back to last week's sermon with Brian, wouldn't the other servants be like, <laughs> he's got 20 years, I've only got five years. Hey, can I borrow 15 years, please? I'm going to go live the high life, right? Isn't that, what, isn't that the logical, right? Like, if he doesn't forgive this person 20 years worth of debt, <laughs> then show me the credit card. This is going to be fun, not how it works. He goes, no, he, he's responsible for settling accounts. Justice matters. The debt must be paid. It has to be paid. And this parable doesn't get into it. But Jesus is the payment for our sin. What we're going to see here and what we're going to read is about grace and forgiveness as Jesus is correlating that to our own lives and how we ought to interact with each other. But You can't die for somebody else's sin. You can't even die for your own sin. You realize that, right? A holy, just, perfect God has chosen to sacrifice his son on your behalf. That's how your debt gets paid. And this is what Jesus is explaining. This is where he's setting this up. And so God will call to account our debt. Our infinite death, he will, for each one of us. And the question is, is do you have Jesus standing in between you and the debtor, or you as the debtor and God, or do you not? Because Jesus has the capacity to pay your infinite debt. You do not. Which is why it's infinite separation from God is the penalty. It's not, that he's, it's, it's not that you're ever even going to pay back that debt. It's, it's infinite separation. This is hell. This is why the Bible describes it like this. It's infinite rebellion. It's infinite separation. Or it's infinite presence of God. Those are it. 
And this is what Jesus is explaining here. And so God must call these debts to account in order for him to be a just God. He has to. And so this is what he does. And so he calls them to account. And so it says in the second part of verse 25, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. So he goes, well, you can't, you can't pay this debt. But here's the separation. Pay me what you can. I'm going to sell you. Okay, this is not, this is where the parable goes too far, or we can't take the parable too far. God does not sell you, okay? Right? There's not a, there's not a price tag on your head, right? Like, again, he's going through this parable. This is where we got to be careful of our theology, right? He's going through this parable. He's taking some steps. Okay, this is the part that causes the next verse to happen, okay? So, Put yourself in this earthly mindset of this king and the servant. And so he goes, I'm selling you, and that's payment. Whatever payment I can get, I can get, okay? Go to verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. He's a little optimistic. What do you think the relationship is between the servant and the king here? Is it a good relationship? Seems like a good relationship, right? He humbles himself before the king. He falls on his knees. Grace that taught my heart to fear. Like, that's the fear he humbles himself, right? He puts himself before the mercy seat of God and goes, I, I, I don't, I, I, give me more time. Give me more time. I'll pay it back. I'll do whatever's necessary. He's got a good relationship with the king. That relationship is intact. That's not a bad relationship. That's a good relationship. In fact, if you haven't fallen on your knees before your king, you should. Because it's, it's that fear of the cost and consequences of our sin that causes us to fall on our knees. And if you haven't fallen on your knees, it's because you either underestimate the cost of your sin or you underestimate the consequence of it. That's why grace causes our heart to fear because we recognize just how deep our sin goes. And how infinite are the consequences. He doesn't pretend like his debt isn't that big, does he? He isn't dismissive. Well, you lent me the money. You didn't have to lend me the money. Look at how much I've worked. I've worked hard for you. I've done good things. I'm a good person. He doesn't go down any of those roads. Those are all the roads we go down. <laughs> Isn't it? God would never do that to me. I mean, he might call to account my debts, but, but look at all the good things I've done. He knows I'm a nice person. He knows I'm good. He knows, like, I do good things. That's not what he says. A humble recognition 
of the cost and consequence of sin. And he falls on his knees and begs him. He implores him. Look at verse 27. And out of pity for him. That word pity is this like, in the Greek, it's like this deep sense of compassion from your bowels. That word pity is just like, we use it frivolously, right? Like how many times have you been like, I don't want pity, I don't want, right? Like we kind of use it in this very, but this is, this is not this. This is like this deep sense of compassion. Here's the servant kneeling before him, imploring him after he's levied justice that frankly isn't even just, right? Because he owes way more than just what he can pay. This guy's going to sell his whole family, all of his possessions, and he's still only going to get a fraction of what was due him. And yet he sees this servant on his knees imploring him, and he has this deep sense of compassion. That's our God. That's this God. (laughs) This is why this is grace. And we'll get into it, but I just can't like, like this is our God who has this compassion for you. He isn't just sitting there like, ah, justice. It's all about justice. Lightning bolts and power and armies and destruction. Compassion. Compassion not based on merit. Compassion not based on how hard you were as a worker. Compassion not based upon how much of a nice person you are. But compassion based on the fact that he's sitting here on his knees before his king, humbling himself. That's what moves our God to compassion. The master of that servant released him. And forgave him his debt. He didn't answer the servant's request. What was the servant's request? Just give me more time. Just give me a little more time and I'll fix it. The servant's optimistic. He's like, I'll, I'll, do, just, I'll cut my budget. I'll make it happen. There's a good relationship there. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, like, like that's, that's how we should live. But the king doesn't grant the servant's request. He goes, no, you know what? I'm just going to forgive your debt. That's an undeserved gift. Isn't it? And that's grace. That's grace. Grace is God giving us undeserved merit. In fact, the word grace is charis. It just means gift. It's what it is. It's a gift. And we can receive God's grace, or we can try to work our way through it and earn it back and pay off our debts. Those are the options. 
You can try to be a great person, be really nice, do all sorts of good things, offset every bad deed with a good deed. You're not going to pay off your infinite debt. But to those who humble themselves before the king, who recognize the cost and consequences of their sin, God grants grace. Undeserved forgiveness. And only the king can grant this. Right? Only the one who's had the debt. He, he's the only one, right? Nobody else could go to him and say, hey, you should forget, like, Like, he's the one that the debt is due, right? Our sin is rebellion against who? God. When you sin against your brother or sister or anybody else, right? Like, yeah, you're sinning against them, but you're sinning against God. David says this, against you and you only have I sinned. So don't don't think that this sin just operates inside of this little tiny relationship that you have during the speck of your life, during your existence. Like, that's not it. It's that your life, your response, your words, your thoughts, your actions are rebellion against God. And so the king, God, chooses to forgive the debts entirely. He doesn't say, let's put you on an installment plan. He doesn't say, well, pay me back this much. Here's a reasonable amount. I need to make sure that you know how much you owe. I need, I, need, I need you to make sure you know what the significance of this is. And so I need to make sure that you're serving me well. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's a new contract. You'll serve me for this many times. You're going to go to church on Sundays. You're going to make sure you read your Bible. And you're going to pray. And you're going to serve in some capacity. Make sure you share the gospel with somebody. And if you do these things, then you will have earned my affection. It's not what he says. It's not what he says at all. He says, I've forgiven your debt. Grace. God graciously forgives us our debt. Now, like I said before, that debt does get paid. In this parable, the point is on forgiveness because Peter asked that question, right? He asked the question, how often will my brother sin against me and I must forgive? How often do I need to forgive my brother or sister? That's the question. So that's, that's the content. That's what, that's what Jesus is answering here. But just realize, we have to understand that your debt will get paid for. And that's what Christ did on the cross. Past, present, future, all your sins, right? That's why we say it's by faith. It's in faith in what Christ did and accomplished on the cross. That's the point. And so when Peter says, how often should I forgive? Jesus answers, forgive as much and as often as I have forgiven you. That's the point of the parable. He takes this whole parable, this whole, this whole scenario between this king and this servant, and, and what should this look like? And he says, look at how much there's this forgiveness. Look at this grace. Now, what did, what did you ask me? How often should you forgive? As much as I've forgiven you. How often should you show grace? As often as you've been shown grace. That's his answer. 
But there's a second part to this parable. And the second part is not very good. Read with me here in Matthew 18, 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's a hundred days worth of wages. In contrast to 20 years. A little bit of money. That's the point. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Sound very familiar. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. You know how hard it is to pay a debt in an agrarian society while you're in prison? Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Verse 32, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. You got your Bibles open, underline that. This is, the king now communicates exactly why he forgave the debt. Not based on his work ethic, not based on future work and promises, anything like that. But because why? Because he humbled himself before the king. Because he pleaded with him. Because he understood the cost and consequence of his sin. Verse 33. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Verse 33, there's a line there, right? Where he says, you should do what I did. Right? You should act like God. It's easy. Just show grace. Show undeserved merit. Forgive. That's hard. It's hard, isn't it? It almost seems unfair. You would think that there would be some sort of caveat for us, right? Like, like yeah, but, but we're not God. <laughs> and we're sinful. And yet God says, Jesus says, just like I had mercy on you, you should show mercy to others. Just like I show grace to you, you should show grace to others. Just like I've forgiven you, you should forgive others. You see, when we act like our king, we reveal the gospel. That's it. That's it. When you get to show grace, you get to reveal grace. God's grace. Just a little bit of it. Just a little tiny piece of grace. 
but that's you. It's as if like God's light like shines through the cracks of our clayful skin, right? And like, like it just like these beams of light go shoot out when we, when we show grace and we show forgiveness and mercy. Because without that, without, without the Holy Spirit within us, right? Without us being saved, like there's nothing that comes shining out. Your good deeds, sure, whatever. But when we show grace and mercy and forgiveness, we reveal the gospel, we reveal the truth of who God is. That's the point. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 5.20. Paul says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. We represent, right? Our actions, right? Just like an ambassador, right? Our actions reflect Christ. You can't get away from this. Your actions, your interactions with others, your relationships, my relationship, right? Like all of our relationships, like everything that we do, we're ambassadors for Christ. We don't get to pick and choose what we do. It doesn't matter if we had a bad day. We're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. That is such a good verse, you guys. God making his appeal through us. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Who's the appeal to? People that don't know him. Which means your life as an ambassador for Christ is that others would hear God, would see God in some sense through your life. And that God is going to use your life, your words, your thoughts, your actions to make an appeal to somebody who does not know him to show grace. And so when we get to show grace, when we get to forgive, guess what happened before that? You were offended. You were frustrated. You were insulted. And then you get to show grace and forgiveness. So bring on the insults. Bring on the offenses. Shouldn't that be our mentality? <laughs> this is maybe, it's weird, right? But it's like, man, it, if, if one of you offend me, I get an opportunity to show grace and forgiveness. If you don't offend me, well then we, we'll just, our relationship's nothing more than any other relationship in this world. And so this is the point. So Jesus communicates to us what our king does. What this grace looks like. This beautiful picture of the gospel. Infinite cost. Infinite consequences forgiven by God's grace because we humble ourselves before him. That's it. That's the gospel. And Jesus pays for that debt. That's it. That's it. That's why it's so simple. That's why it's called the good news. That's what the gospel. It's good news. You, there's nothing you have to do. In fact, the, the servants promise to pay 
only reflects his attitude towards God. It doesn't mean he can, and neither can you, neither can I. And so we have this beautiful picture, and then God says at the end of this thing, like, like this, is, this is the gospel. Now go, go out, and go live in a way that reflects the gospel in your life. Go show grace because I showed you grace. Go show forgiveness because I showed you forgiveness. Go show mercy. Go be prepared to be offended and glorify God in your response. Let me pray.